Let's jump right into Exodus 14. I'm just, I'm burning and I can't wait. I just got to go. Exodus chapter 14. I apologize if you're a first time guest. I could yell, spit a little bit this morning. I have been asking the Father for revelation. I want revelation I've never had. Because when you get revelation, your life changes. When you get revelation and you act on that revelation, your life changes. I was talking to someone this morning that's been coming to this church just recently. And this person was saying she just loves the revelation in this house. Remember when Brian Schwartz prophesied years ago, there's bread in this house? I have not felt the anointing this strong in a long, long time with me up here. Holy Spirit, I say yes to you. I'll say whatever you tell me to say. I don't care what it is. I pray you just give me the ability to get out of the way. I pray, Father, for, for uh, specifically uh, business owners in this that can hear me, either on this broadcast or in this room. There, I thank you for this wealthy revelation, this wealthy revelation. If you guys could see into heaven, you'd be in shock at the wealth of God. You'd be in shock. A lot of people have misconceptions of Jesus. He, he, the whole idea of he had no place to lay his head, you've got to read that in context. Psalm 24.1 says, everything in the world is the Lord's and everything in it. <laughs> everything in the world is the Lord's and everything in it. Can we put the definition of Lord up before I jump into Exodus 14? We'll make our way to the cross. I'm going there. I want you to look at the definition of Lord. It means owner and master. You can be a casual observer of Jesus, but until he becomes your master, you will not get the resources he holds that he actually wants to give unto you. See, the rich young ruler had to give up everything. But the truth is, if he would have given up everything, the Lord, the owner, the master would have actually given him more. See, a lot of people worship Jesus with their lips, but when it comes time to make him master, owner, Lord, they don't do it. I think specifically this speaks to most of the church. I bet you somewhere between 5 and 10% truly have revelation on what it means to make him master. Let's go to the Matthew passage, Matthew six twenty four ish Jesus said, you can only have one master. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, interesting, he puts money in that passage. The angelic is so strong in here. Some of you that own your businesses, you're going to get enough revelation in the next 30 minutes. It will change your literal life. The kingdom of God is very different than the born-again message. The kingdom of God message is it's the king's domain. So he's a king. He's not a Sunday school teacher. He's not my hombre. He's not my pastor. He's my literal king. I get the biggest kick out of so many people that get bent out of shape on politics on the earth, not realizing there's, there's a realm that really trumps this democracy and any democracy in the world. A lot of people that talk about politics a lot don't understand. We only live in a, in a small land compared to the world. And where we're from is not a democracy. With the rise of social media and just the rise of selfish flesh nature, we got so many opinions about everything. Everything, including God's kids. You have to get to a place where you understand that in the kingdom of God, free will is a myth. You say, what are you talking about? I have a master. He is my owner. Psalm 24, 1. Everything in the world is the Lord's and everything in it, including this jacket. I'm not walking in the kingdom of God until I literally, in my own mind, heart, and expression, realize I own nothing. I actually don't own anything. 
You see, you can be born again and own your stuff and even go to heaven when you die. But you cannot enter the kingdom of God and thrive in the kingdom of God while you're on this earth and own anything. The moment you think you are responsible for your own children, ultimately, and if something's going on with their lives, you take it very, very personally, you're really admitting that you're putting yourself on the seat of the master and that they are your responsibility. Says who? Me and my wife gave our three kids to the master when they were born. You see, I actually don't own anything. All I am is a steward. I steward Sam. I steward Ruthie. I steward Jack. There's a, there's a, there's a misconception that you can be a follower of Jesus and have opinions, free will, and own stuff. You, you can't. It's actually not possible. You can be an observer of Jesus, you, but when, the moment you make him the master of your life, you can only have one master. And if you look at the passage in Exodus, uh, I, I don't know if I gave you the right translation. I'm actually going to read out of the New Living Translation. I bet you I'm, you know what? I gave you the wrong. I'll just read from the screen. I messed up. That's my fault. Then the Lord said to Moses, what did he say to Moses? <laughs> Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi Hariath between Megal the sea. They are to camp by the sea directly opposite of Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. This is a bizarre story. God leads his people into bondage with Pharaoh. He raises up sovereignly Moses, sends Moses to Israel. The Israelites leave. I'm making a long story very short. They leave. And now that they have left, it's a bizarre story. God sovereignly is about to do something to his Israelites. And if you don't have revelation on this, you really won't have revelation on a lot of stuff. Remember Jesus said about Mark 4, if you, can, if you do not understand this parable, you won't understand any of them. A farmer goes to scatter seed. Here's the big point of this passage. God hymns his own people in, even geographically. So watch this, and I'm about to read it. With the geographical terrain of the Israelites, when they left Egypt, they headed down, they're making their way towards the Red Sea. The sovereign God of the universe, who is still sovereign, has Pharaoh come after them. To their left would have been a treacherous mountain terrain. To their right would have been a treacherous mountain terrain. In front of them is an ocean, and behind them now is a very angry Pharaoh. They're stuck. They got nowhere to go. God will do things in your life to get you to where he is your only out, to test you. Because you have to be tested to know if he's truly your master. See, a lot of people praise him at the altar. He's not their master. There are a lot of people that think they are okay with King Jesus, and they're not. I heard audibly in my sleep about a year ago, he said, Chad, many people in my church believe they are regenerated and they are not. We have created a casual Christianity where it's okay to just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. The only message of discipleship in the text is he's master, I'm follower. He's Lord, I'm not. See, there's only one marker of a, of a friendship with God, and that's obedience. Is a lot of people think they're okay with God. And it's because they've created an image of God themselves, and they worship that image. It's no different than a, a Baal statue. God created us in his image, and many of us returned the favor. And we have created him in our image. The most dangerous thing in the world is a misconception. 
So watch this, because there's great revelation here. They say, what have we done letting all these Israelite slaves get away, they asked. Verse 6. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. There's going to be times in your life where it feels like Pharaoh is bearing down on you. I'm telling you, the father is behind the Pharaoh bearing down on you. You have to have eyes to see. The cross itself was a brutal, torturous instrument. Whose idea was it? Talk back to me. Who killed Jesus? You see, you have to, you have, to have eyes to see whatever's trying to crush you the most most always, if not every single time, is nothing but an instrument from the Father's hands to get you into a place for you to realize, are you fully all in or not? I tell people all the time that are, that are telling me, even in the past at the old church, that the Father is moving them on from the church. I say the same thing every time. I hope for your sake you're telling the truth. I do that. Well, I'm, I'm leaving this job and going to that job. Is that what your master is leading you to do? Uh, uh, um, uh, uh. You see, we've created a Christianity where free will's in play. There are a lot of people that God calls to plant their lives in a church. They get their own opinions or a business or a spouse or a destiny. I love where my son is right now. He's 16 years old. He has no idea where he's going to college. He should not worry about that. Because if the Lord is his owner, whose responsibility is it to provide for my son? It's not mine. I mean, a couple of years ago, we went to Disney World. I could either go there or pay for his college education. I've already gone to Disney World. I don't know who's going to pay for my son's education. Watch this. Watch this. You want to know why many of you don't have peace? It's because he's not your master. Can I just preach the way I want to? Let's act like this is a guest speaker. You would love, seriously, I'm telling you, if Schwartz were here preaching this, you would say, bring it, brother. But whenever it's in the local house and I'm supposed to steward, it's like, mm. many of you think you're okay and, and you're not. It's because until he becomes your master, then he'll let you have your anxiety to cuddle up with. But when he becomes your Lord and your owner, it's not your anxiety anymore. What if you saw anxiety as a sin? This is a, this is a graphic picture. You got millions of people and Pharaoh ain't happy. So he harnessed up his chair. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its own commander. Israel has no weapon, guys. They don't even have a, they don't know what they're doing. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fist raised in defiance. Nothing much has changed. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, and charioteers and his troops and the Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near that place across from that place. Next verse. By the way, watch this. You know what the father will do in your life? Many people can't detect it. You feel like the enemy is closing down on you. Do you know that the father can use the enemy as a tool in your life? The enemy thinks he's going to win. The father's behind the whole thing and the whole time. The father knows what's coming. You see, what makes these Israelites need a change of underpants? The father doesn't see it that way. When's the last time you had such a big view of God that your problems got smaller and smaller? You want to know why your problems are so huge? Because you focus on the problems. You focus on Pharaoh. Here comes Pharaoh. Here comes Pharaoh. Chad, I had another demonic dream about you. Like, if you're not careful in prophetic cultures, you can focus on Pharaoh all the time and forget Pharaoh fits underneath the fingernail of my father. This is the most powerful empire in the world. The father's over there just eating an apple saying, watch this. Jesus, watch this. Holy Spirit. 
angelic realms like, whoo. And you got the Israelites down here doing this. We're going to die. Matter of fact, they're about to give it to Moses. Whenever God calls you to lead something, I promise you, whoever's following you will do what they've done. It's been this way even in the early church. You brought us out here to die. We'd be better off back in, in Egypt. We got mountains we can't run, mountains we can't run, and that's not a lake. That's an ocean. And now this guy's furious. We had blood, locusts, plagues, wind, rain, frogs, and now he's coming to kill us. Just as I am. No, they weren't singing just as I am. It wasn't a Billy Graham moment. They were furious. They were furious. You don't know who you are till you're squeezed. You don't know who you are until Pharaoh's coming after you. I had Satan appear in my hallway about 15 years ago. I know a little bit about warfare. I bet you I've had 30 to 50 demonic dreams in the last six months. Guess what's happening though? I've never been this happy in my life. Sometimes God will use a Pharaoh to squeeze out of you some things that need to be squeezed out of you. And you can get to the point where other people see warfare and you don't even know it's warfare anymore because you're just sleeping in a boat. The whole world's looking for peace. You'll never find peace when you have two masters. Anything with two heads is a monster. I'm just saying. Lord, I love you so much. If you love me, how come you don't sow into me financially what I'm doing? If you say you love me, then you'll do what I command. Jesus said, you're my friends if you do what I command. We want a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of that, and we wonder why we have a little bit of peace. You want total peace? Just die. Go all in. So it gets messy. They cried out to the Lord. I love this. When Pharaoh bears down, you'll cry out to the Lord. Next verse. Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Don't ever take personally whatever God's calling you to leave. It was never about you in the first place. The burning bush didn't catch on fire to make Moses famous. He's actually irrelevant to the whole scene. When I get to heaven, Moses is not going to be standing there at the judgment seat going over my life. There's only one owner, and it's not Moses. And even in the Trinity, the Father who is greater than I am, even in the Trinity, Holy Spirit points to Jesus. Jesus points to the Father. Jesus came to reconnect you to the Father. The whole point of this story is God. It's not even Moses. What have you done to us? All right, next verse, verse 12. Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians will see you today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. That preaches better than anything I can say. We typically do the opposite. We don't stand still. We don't trust the master. And we sure don't stay calm. When is the last time you've walked in so much peace that the enemy gets nervous? Do you know that you can carry such shalom that you make the demonic realm nervous? You can't fake shalom, by the way. And only true shalom comes on the other side of a pharaoh bearing down on you. What's the point of preparing a feasting table in the presence of our enemies? The point is the same point in this. Until God gets a person or a nation to a place where it's one-on-one true deep covenant and intimacy, then you still got more than one master. See, the father sovereignly put Israel into a place 
to where he was their only escape. We know how it goes. Actually, you know how it goes. Mountains, mountains, ocean splits. Pharaoh is so arrogant, he comes in after the Israelites. They drown, the Israelites are okay. This is not a tiny body of water, by the way. Typically before he does something great inside of a person, inside of a business, inside of a marriage, inside of a church, inside of a destiny, you will have a season where it seems as though he's taking a nap. But it's in those moments, and many of you have already had them, when you get about three of these under your belt and the next season of winnowing comes, you, you tend to stay calm easily. There's progressive levels of growth and maturation, specifically in the, in the context of warfare. And to think that you can be used to do something great in his kingdom or his blessings flow upon you or him to move in your life in power without going through a winnowing process is just silly. Jesus Christ himself went through a winnowing process. I believe the entire purpose of the temptations in the desert that would eventually lead up into the cross was to get Jesus to choose one thing. It was to get him to save himself and to go away from his obedience and radical surrender to the Father. Satan comes three times. He tests his ambition, his approval, and his appetite. It's a literal temptation, guys. He had to have angels sent to him to minister to him at this temptation. What was the temptation for? It was to get him to get out of alignment with the Father. I have never read that before. I'm not, this isn't some book that I've been reading. How did Jesus accomplish what he accomplished in life? He never chose his own way. So to think that there's free will in the kingdom of God, you cannot prove that through the life of Jesus. Last week, the garden, please take this from me. I don't want to do this. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And then we get to the cross. The cross ultimately was the most brutal form of crucifixion you've ever seen in your life because it took a while. It wasn't quick. Satan did everything he could in that garden, in that desert, in this man's life to basically disrupt one thing. The sovereign plans of the Father what looked like something in the natural would become the recipe for your breakthrough for all eternity. But Jesus had to say yes to something he didn't want to say yes to. A lot of God's kids, if not most of God's kids, they don't want to go to hell when they die. But when it comes to being all in with the kingdom of God on earth, it's just not a reality in most people's lives. A lot of people want a crown I have never seen a crown come in anyone's life that doesn't come through a cross, not one time. The story of going through the sea is awesome, but without Pharaoh bearing down, it's not that awesome. Are y'all hearing that? Don't despise the hard seasons. I don't know the last time I've ever been this caught off guard by God, minus realizing he didn't hate me in baptism of the Holy Spirit 17 years ago. I mean, that was pretty big. Like, you like me? I'm as clean as you. Then we start seeing people heal when you pray for them. That was fun. But then in the last 17 years, what's happened to me in the past few weeks, I didn't see coming. If I say the words demigod to you, D-E-M-I, God, what do you think of? Demigod. 
I think I like some Thor movie, you know, like some, some, some ridiculous animated movie. If you would have told me that God over a two-week period, my master, would lead me to revelation that I had 10 demigods in my life, I would have thought I had flown the cuckoo's nest. Both of these uh, encounters happened on a golf course watching my son, my 16-year-old, play golf. So four weeks, three, I said two weeks, but it's been in a month. About four weeks ago, I have a dream. And in the dream, I give it to the dream magi, which is Sean Curtis. And I said, hey, I don't know what this dream means, but go get with the father because I'm more confused than an Auburn fan right now. And uh, he double dribbled. Thank God it didn't happen to us. Better that it happened to y'all. And Sean said, uh, he goes, let me sit on this and I'll get back to you. And actually, I, just, I didn't think about the dream much after that. And so I'm on the golf course. <laughs> I'm about to watch my son play golf. And Sean, in his gentle way of sticking a knife through your spiritual heart, he goes, hey, I, f- I feel like the Father's given me revelation on this. And he said, you've done some severing before with soul ties. But I believe in this case that the Father wants you to renounce someone as a Lord in your life. And I've gotten to the place where in the context of community, we all have blind spots, all of us. And if you don't think you have blind spots, you're in deep trouble. And so I didn't pray about it. I went to the end of the driving range. I didn't make an announcement. I didn't summon the angels. I didn't, I didn't, I just went and I said, Lord, and I said the word Lord. Now the word Lord means owner, right? Man, this is getting thick in here. Here we go. I can't believe I'm about to say this. I can feel it. And before I could tell him, he said, you don't have one, you have more than one. And I sat there and I said, okay. And I heard this so loud, it took no faith to hear it. Go to uh, Exodus 34. We, see, we think, we, we think uh, Old Testament is null and void. I heard him say, he said, you shall have no other gods before me. Which is actually a different verse, but it says the same thing. Do not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. And I said, okay. And there are four people in my life, one of them not even on the earth anymore, that I cared more about their opinion over me than my master. I had a pretty powerful prayer time of not severing soul ties, of renouncing. And this is when he said, you have four demigods. And I said, demigods? Why would the Lord say you shall have no other gods before me if it's not possible that we have other gods before him? Y'all ain't listening. I love the fact that God's doing something great in your marriage. I got a newsflash for you. Your covenant partner in marriage is not your master and not your Lord. Some people make their spouses their Lord. Some people make their third grade teacher that hurt them in the third grade and has been trying to please that third grade teacher for the last 40 years a God. Some people make the ex-spouse a God. We, we can make gods out of anything. See, we, we think the, the whole idea of idolatry and worship is an old covenant thing. It is a new covenant thing. I'm in the new covenant. I'm the lead pastor of a church and God tells me I have four demigods. And I'm like, well, I get through this. Now they'll, they'll do a, a movie, an Annie Armstrong movie, perhaps about my life on this. Local pastor renounces four demigods. That would make for a great title. Until this past week. I am behind number one green at Holly Tree. 
was not talking to the Lord or Abba or Holy Spirit. I was actually looking at Sam's shot. I knew he had about 220 yards. I wanted him to get off to a good start. In my mind, I'm thinking, don't hit it there. And, and I, have you ever felt one of these from God? I'm not kidding. He said, you have six more demigods in your life. Six. And I got a flood revelation from the Holy Spirit. And when I started renouncing other gods in my life, I felt a literal release. I felt a, like a pop. I called Sean Curtis on Friday. I said, I don't know how to tell you this. I feel like I'm riding the crest of a wave. I have never felt this connected to God in my life. And then I started prophesying about some things at Bridgeway. Kimmy Bates, our children's pastor, she didn't hear me. Of course, knowing her, she did in the spirit. But she had a dream that night that I was riding the crest of a wave. I was surfing it. I had a dream that fish were jumping into nets at Bridgeway. God shows me that Joe was going to catch a huge fish. He catches that fish. I have noticed in the past three days, my relationship with the Trinity is the most different it's ever been in my lifetime. And I'm realizing it hasn't been his Kairos timing for it. It's been me releasing other masters. How do you know that Jesus was completely laid down as the Father, as his master? By the way, the Father, Jesus still abides in the Father. Read Romans 13, 1 through 3. The rebellious spirit has hit the church so hard, we hate the idea of authority. The Father has authority over Jesus. A lot of people preach that differently. The Father who is greater than I am. Who do you think sent the Holy Spirit? Jesus. I have just noticed that my joy is coming with the fact that I have the least amount of masters in my life ever. How do you know that Jesus only had one master? The cross. The assignment that the Father gave Jesus was not a fun assignment. The moment when you care more about your obedience to the Father and your yes, you will stop evaluating the success of your life by what's growing and what's not. If, if you say that, that healthy things are determined by the amount of growth around me, what are you going to do with the fact that the closer Jesus got to the cross, the fewer disciples he had? You better be careful how you define success. You see, but there's only one disciple at the cross with Jesus. One. But when you look back at what happened 300 years after the cross, well, the, the, the movement exploded. You can't judge the success of your life on instant gratification of what's growing because weeds actually grow very, very fast and they die easily. The kingdom is about obedience, slow growth, obedience, slow growth, compound interest, compound interest, compound interest, compound interest. Boom. As a business owner, you should, be, you should care more about your successor than you do your own success. Jesus was. The only way God Almighty counts success in his kingdom is obedience to his voice. The Shema is hear and obey. Charismatics love to hear. Very rarely do they love to obey. Because here's what. God will call you to do something that's difficult and you will choose the route of comfort. Comfort has become the God of the West. Comfort has become the God of the West. Well, I don't want to do that. That's uncomfortable. I'm, uh, I've lost a little bit of weight recently and uh, all desire to live. But I... I uh, there's a machine at the gym that I hate. It's the row machine. 
This thing, it was, it was made by demons. I don't, um, it works everything. But you know what I found? When I do that, uh, it, it, it's helping me. On Wednesdays, I've been hiking with Mike Jones. We went to Paris Mountain. My calves were still sore this morning. Put in around 11 miles on Wednesday. And every time we do it, about six miles in, I'll just say, why am I doing this? I want to take like the stick that, the, that I walk. I just want to hit Jones in the back of the head with it. But you know what's interesting? You do that and it's producing results. We think in the kingdom of God, we can do whatever we want to. And we're going to have fruit in our lives. <laughs> if you abide in me, you'll produce much fruit. Most of you in here probably don't fully believe that you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day. You probably don't even think about it. What if I told you that I think about it between seven and ten times a week? You gotta, you gotta ask yourself, what drives you? Does your business drive you so you can become a millionaire? I mean, really? Is that, is that it? If you honestly think you have a bunch of money that's gonna bring you peace, I can introduce to you about 50 people I've counseled over the years that I can promise you that's not true. You gotta find what drives you. I'm gonna tell you what drove Jesus. What drove Jesus to the cross? was not his own mentality of what he wanted. It was one thing. Father, what do you want from me? And that's what I want to give you. Until you are driven by what you're going to hand him on that great day. Are, are you in this for you or in it for him? Let's go to the Matthew 27 passage. And it's the famous passage of the cross. But to me, this passage is proof that there's no such thing as free will in the kingdom. You know what's interesting in the kingdom, when you don't have your own will and you have his, you're happier, more full of joy than other people. You got to get you out of you. Are y'all listening to me? You got to get you out of you. You know what happens when you die to yourself? Resurrection power hits and you carry what others can't carry. I am blessing myself. I'm serious. People think Jesus, he's the happiest person that ever lived. Joy is his strength. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a voice, Eloi, Eloi, laba sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, the father could see something in this moment that even the angels, I don't think, discerned. Remember how C.S. Lewis writes about it in that one book? The white witch didn't understand the great magic. The father could see something all along that no one else could. Right now, you feel like you're in a season of dying. The father can see the other side of it. He can see the other side of the Red Sea. He can already see Pharaoh drowned. The Father could see even me, this wretched sinner, being saved and becoming righteous on the other side of Jesus' sacrifice. What is your death is the breakthrough of many others. How do you not know that your life being laid down as a seed can shift a literal nation? Obedience matters. Some of this heard this. They said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran, got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on the staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. And the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Imagine that. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Can you imagine that? Who is that? It's your Uncle Larry, 200 years removed. When the centurion and those with him were guarding Jesus, they saw the earthquake and all that had happened. They were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Here's my point for this morning as we close here. The Lord was completely obedient 
to even take an assignment that was very, very difficult. On the other side of that difficult assignment, after those three days, and we're going to get there in a couple of weeks, the father resurrected him. The world's never been the same. But there's an interesting comment in Luke 9.23. If anybody wants to be his disciple, guess what you have to do? Deny yourself and pick up your what? The only way you walk in power is you give up all rights for opinions from this point forward. Many of us have way too many opinions. There's really a couple of things I'm asking every day. Father, what are you saying to me? And what are you asking me to do about that? And here's what happens. When he starts speaking to you and you don't do what he says, doors begin to shut, sometimes for 40 years as you wander in the desert. But guess what happens when you start saying yes? It's compound interest. He'll keep speaking. He'll keep speaking. You want to know why the Father doesn't speak to many of us? It's because we didn't act upon the last thing he told us to do. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. It doesn't matter how loud I sing at the altar. It doesn't even matter how much I give. You can't outwit him. You can't be crafty. You can't sing to make yourself be spiritual. You know what you can do, though? Get on your knees when you wake up in the morning, enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise, and say, Father, here's the deal. I know that I put Jesus on the cross. I thank you so much, though, that I am righteous and you love me. What is it that you need from me today? You see this progression in Paul's life. Towards the end of his life, he becomes a doulos, a love slave. He becomes so dead to himself that it didn't even matter the beatings he took. Until you are out of you. Bad English, but you know what I mean. Until you is out of you. Until you're dead, he can't hit resurrection power on your life. But once you're completely surrendered, it's incredible what happens. I'll close with a couple of quick stories. Greg Ellie, he'll probably be here at 11 o'clock service. He went all in here financially with first fruits into this house. God's tripled his business. Isn't it interesting what happens when we just act in obedience? About a month ago, right before the men's retreat, we had a Sunday night service that was really intense. I was prophesying and yelling. And God told me on stage, he said, I want you to pay for two men to go on men's retreat. I said, not a problem. It wasn't some huge sacrifice. God told me to do it, and I did it. So I yelled. You may even be in here. I don't know who the money went towards. I said, I'll pay for two right now. Who wants to go? And then Freddie stood up and said, I'll pay for five. And I was like, Lord Jesus, it's going to cost us a bunch of money to come church tonight. But the, the, funny, the funny thing of what it was is it cost $378 to send two men to a men's retreat. I got a rebate check from something I didn't even know from an alarm that I'd overpaid. Would you like to know how much that check was for? $378. Maybe God is real. Can we put the picture of the fish back up here? I'm going to tell you something about this young man. He ain't perfect. He's not even here. He's not perfect. There ain't, there's nothing perfect about this young man. He's got flaws like anybody else. Been discipling for a year and a half. I'm going to tell you what this dude does. Like many others I've been raising up with Wendy. He'll be obedient to what God tells him to do. If you want fish that size in your life, you might need to stop your season of intercession and replace it with a season of obedience. Let's stand up together. In the name of Jesus Christ, may obedience be your middle name. I bless your life with the harvest on the other side of your obedience. I double dog dare you to go all in with God. May he open up his windows of abundance to pour out in your lives. Go in peace. God bless.